In today's episode of Time Out with Basu, we have a very special friend of mine. I mean, we've been friends for many, many, many years. The legendary Daniel Vittori from New Zealand. Welcome to our show, Daniel. Thanks, Basu. Thank you for having me. It's been a long time and uh, please remember, we have had several breakfast conversations and it's a continuation <laughs> from where we left. And uh, it's always a pleasure chatting up with you. And uh, you're also a sort of a Google. You know everything. I mean, I've asked, I can quiz you on anything and you'll always come with an answer. And your uh, general knowledge and uh, your awareness of news around you, your knowledge over sports. And, and, I mean, your knowledge over multi-directional things is just fantastic. And uh, we are all excited today. And uh, some of my uh, team members here are a big fan of you. So they also know about uh, your interest in basketball and marathon and everything. So we are all yours and the questions are lined up. Are you ready? Before you start... What, a, what, a, what uh, an introduction. Thanks, Basu. <laughs> the feeling's mutual. Absolutely. Uh, before we go further, can we know a little about your childhood? What you did when you were young? Did you play a lot of sport? And then your foray into sports and your lineage from an Italian background. Can you hear about all that? Yeah, sure. Um, my <clears throat> my dad's a fully-fledged Italian. He came out to New Zealand, I think, in, in 1958 um, from a little village called Roncorno, which is right up north near the, near the Dolomites. And um, like a lot of Italian people at that time, they were wandering the world searching for work. Um, things were pretty, pretty grim. Um, in that part of the world at that time after the war. So they found their, well, my grandfather found his way to a number of places, but eventually quite a big uh, Italian community moved out to Hamilton, New Zealand. They got some, uh, they got a job laboring and concreting. Um, so that's what, that's what brought them to New Zealand in the first place. And then my grandmother and my dad and his sister, and then his other sister was born in New Zealand. They all found their way on a, on a boat out to, um, to Hamilton in 1958. And my dad, whose name is Renzo Guido Vittori, there's not too many of those floating around in Hamilton in, in 1958. So he was, it was, a, it was pretty unique um, upbringing for him and a real, real change from what he was used to, obviously being an Italian. But um, yeah, I mean, they, they were fully French, fully New Zealanders though in, in a short period of time. So uh, I grew up in Hamilton with my, with my brother and sister, and I probably followed my brother into cricket. He was, um, three years older than me, and he he loved it. So I think we followed him. My my father had no no affinity to cricket at all. He he played softball when he was young. Um, I never saw him bowl with a straight arm, so he uh, he didn't really know he didn't really know the game that much. Um, but my brother and I were I think addicted from a young age, and we played played like all I suppose New Zealand brothers is in the backyard the whole time, and then that continued on to school. And fortunate enough that. Um, we were, we were both good enough to play for you know school teams and rec teams, um, but I but I continued on a bit longer than him. Fantastic. I mean, is there a meaning for the word Vettori? I mean, I just googled up something and it came as carrier or something. Is it? I, I'm not sure. I'm unaware. It's quite. I mean, I think it's a popular northern Italian name. There's, it's obviously not not a uh, not a very uh, familiar name. Although I see there's an MMA fighter now, a guy uh, Marvin Vettori, who's Who's made his way in the in the world of fighting? So there's not yeah there's not too many popular Vittorias out there. I mean your cricket achievements are something uh, which 
we don't need to talk any further it's all over there in the internet and the world has seen and they have seen your legendary conquests in several uh, cricketing fields and uh, this show is not about your cricket i mean we are very interested your foray into marathon training and your transition into running half marathons full marathons in 10 k's and uh, what is your typical week and how did all these things happen well i, I haven't been doing too much lately so I, i need to get back into it but i think um uh my wife and i were always always enjoyed running um and that was that was my primary way of staying fit during cricket i wasn't um didn't have a real affinity with with weightlifting it was always running i felt was the the way that i could that i could stay strong and i think it had a a a positive effect on bowling because of the the amount of overs that i had to bowl and that 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 helped have that that fitness base but um the marathon training actually started from a bet between my sister-in-law and a friend and they said that my that my wife could beat me and i <laughs> laughed at that and then uh she took offense to the laughing and then the training started and we i think we ran i think we ran four four half marathons in the build up to um a full marathon and then after that we probably run another two half marathons and now we we talk about doing a another marathon but it hasn't quite eventuated yet and obviously the the world's a little bit different in terms of being able to travel and and to go to these um go to places but new zealand's very fortunate that you know maybe i might put there's a, there's a marathon in queenstown in november maybe i'll i'll target that one what's your best time in half marathon then my best time half marathon i think was was fortunately around the sort of local course where we run which is in eastern bays and it's about an hour 32 <sighs> that's uh, 92 minutes and uh, you're running sub 5 for I mean, much faster than uh, I mean, sub faster than 430 430 uh, so right, right around 430 i think i have to look up but yeah <laughs> and then uh, it was a good flat course I, i always choose flat courses and no no hills <laughs> and your best over 10k 10k i'm not actually not too sure about so i think it'd be around 41 42 should be much faster no, I, I've, i've never broken 40 for for 10k's um uh and I for the marathon I did 3 332 I think 333 and my wife did 3 345 so I I was I was nervous that I, I couldn't see her for ages and then with the, the last bit of the, the last sort of 5k's you you back back on yourself and I ran past her and okay. I, I was pretty I was relieved I was relieved that I knew I had about a k and that's, that's pretty fast that's pretty fast 332 and 335 for the family my god for us gum <laughs> yeah 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 that's it so i i mean i really enjoy it it's, it's a sense of a achievement and accomplishment and a, you know you took the training is the the hardest bit i mean once you've done all the training the the marathon is actually not too bad albeit the conditions we did it in were pretty pretty bleak but when you when you're popping off for 36k um training run it's uh <laughs> you know it, it takes a bit out of your day what's your typical week done what's your mileage for the week and how many times a week you run uh, volume and how many times a week you do tempos and intervals my my wife um had a friend who was um she's a very good runner and she set programs for us so looking at four four times a week to run and then it's sort of it's normally uh one medium run to two shortish runs i'm talking sort of 10k's but and then one long run and they and progressively each week sort of add a k onto the the long run so you you normally the program that we did was a 
24 week program and so it should have started at your longest run being 10 11 k's up until 36 k's the sort of 10 days out from the marathon oh. so your mileage for the week will be around say 50 60 kilometers uh it varies i mean at the moment it's only sort of around 30 as i'm trying to build back up but the when you're doing those at the back end yeah you're probably up between around 50 50 to 60. Any work in the track at all then? Anyone can work? Any, any work in the track, actual track, uh, running 400 meters intervals? No, no, I just, it, it was all about getting out and, and running running the roads and making sure that you put the miles together. I, th I don't think there's anything else. I think if, if you want to go to the, the, put a bit more speed on around the half marathon, then I think there's some, there's some benefits from that, but it was just, it was just effort. <laughs> And uh, four, times fun. Lots of fun. four times a week. Sorry? You run just four times a week. Just four times a week, yeah. And, no, uh, no, no, I, mean, I must admit my program has dropped off a lot, but the, after this phone call, we'll, uh, you've, you'll, you'll inspire me, Basu, so I'll be, I'll be back into it. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> uh, lovely. So, I mean, this transition into marathon probably a lot more fitter than what you ever used to be. I mean, running a half marathon at a pace of yeah, I think it's always different though. I think cricket, cricket is, you know, standing up all day, lots of short, sharp sprints. You 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 build up, you build up a decent amount of fitness. I think throughout your career that you don't actually appreciate um, when you know. I think when you see um, other sports going on, but it, you know, it takes as you well know, it takes a lot to stand up for a day. It's not. It's, it's easier said than done. And I mean, <laughs> if you haven't done it. If you haven't done it for a while and then you do it again, you you couldn't be any more tired the next day after um, a day a day in the field. Any plans to come back then? <laughs> no, <laughs> I can I can I can still bowl, but the the fielding the fielding getting rounds is a bit bit hard, and I'd be I'd be too, everyone's gets too fast as you get older. The batting batting becomes too scary. Absolutely, the cricket is a very different sport and. Uh, it's a lot more anaerobic than what you train for marathon, which is a lot more aerobic. Uh, anyway, I mean, this is a different kind of fitness and mentally you need to be sort of focused to do a marathon work and it's not a joke and it's just a sort of a lifestyle. It exposes your yeah. entire lifestyle. I mean, everything is around your running, and your mileage, and your diet and recovery. And, you need a, the, the, and the, the key thing is, <laughs> the key thing is to have a bet with your spouse. That's how. That's how you motivate yourself. How is the Achilles holding up? It's good. It's good. It's no been uh, no problems. I mean, uh, we all know your uh, love for basketball. Okay. So we're going to have a lot of questions on basketball and NBA, of course. I mean, to start with, uh, I'm going to ask you last season, LeBron James uh, and the LA Lakers. I mean, is it just James's magic or it does a whole team work and how did you see his performance especially the last year? Uh, I have nothing nothing but admiration for LeBron James I think to to think about 18 years in the league to think how many minutes he's played if, everywhere he goes the team is dramatically better um, and every time he leaves the team is dramatically worse so you can see that the value that he brings to a team instantly we go from 
wherever you are to all of a sudden being a, a total contender. And for one person to do that, I can't, I can't remember seeing that. I, I mean, I, I was young when Jordan was playing, but obviously he didn't change teams. But, but there's no other player that, that I've seen in, in my lifetime that whatever team he's on, instantly they become something, they become a title contender. And I think it's, you know, there's, there's, there's a number of reasons for that. Obviously, his dedication to his fitness and his his body. I mean, he he does there's no work workload with him. He plays every game. He plays minutes. People say that he takes a little bit of um, of a rest on defense, but but definitely not the last two years. I, I think his yeah. defense in the bubble with Anthony Davis um, that was probably one of the most contributing factors. That when you're six foot eight and two hundred and seventy pounds and you can move like he does, it means you can shut. A lot of people down so those two factors were him and davis were incredible the, the the scary thing is i think they've got better this year i think the additions of schroeder and montreal's um montreal harrell um the, you know they they look a stronger team which which seems seems hard to do for a um for a championship winning team but they they look amazing and lebron's favorite for mvp as well in, in his 19th year and he's passing the ball more Well, he's what is he? Twenty-seven, seven, seven. So at thirty-six, that's just that's admirable. I mean, that's. I mean, you, I, I think sportsmen will look at him and Tom Brady and start saying, you know, wh why wouldn't I go to thirty-eight, thirty-nine, forty? I mean, Verat, who you know so well, with his level of fitness, I mean, th those sorts of guys will only be stopped by their desire to wanting to keep going. And I think basketball and probably a little bit easier because it's. Not as you're not traveling from country to country and you've got a set time, whereas cricket's, I think cricket's harder to, to say play to your 40 because of all the travel. And also the different type of uh, games you play, the T20, yeah, yeah. It's so very different. I mean, three sport and one sport. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a very good point. And yeah, I, I mean, there's not many cricketers I know who don't, I mean, they, they have the ups and downs with the game, but they generally love the game. It's it's the travel, it's the hotel life, it's Absolutely. I'm, I'm all over the place. My family can't travel. At least in basketball you get what is it? Um forty one games at home, um enough time to see your family. I know I know it's different now in the COVID world, but I think the that 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 game probably sets itself up more to play more for longevity. Although albeit not many guys have done it. To, no one's done it to the level though. of uh, LeBron. Very physical, though. I mean, the number of injuries and uh, it's, it's very explosive, dynamic, and uh, the contact injuries. I mean, unbelievable how these guys play for so many years. And especially last year, I think by the time they finished the matches, um, finals, NBA, they played almost 118 games, including the playoffs. Yeah, well, that, yeah well, I mean, I think with if you look at LeBron's record, he's got another full season on top of it because of all the playoff games he's played and all the minutes he's played so yeah he's he's incredible now since you spoke about Jordan I have to put you on the spotlight Michael Jordan and LeBron James and I'll also add Kobe Bryant to them I don't think Kobe's in the same league as those two I think uh, I think one on one Jordan Jordan would be the best I think I think to get to get a bucket yeah. you'd want Jordan the I think I think LeBron's the ultimate team player in terms of being able to bring a his skill set as lends itself to 
to every facet of the game. Whereas Jordan, Jordan's, uh, Jordan's the best scorer, I think. Um, and obviously a good defensive player. There's, there's no doubt about that. But, I mean, yeah, <laughs> it's, a, it's a very tough question. I'll get myself in trouble if I answer it. <laughs> <With my mates. laughs> if, if you want a team, I mean, you have just, you can pick one of the two. Who you pick? Uh, I'll, I'll take LeBron. I'll take LeBron. <laughs> Who do you take? I think I will now way more towards LeBron. I mean, a year back, probably could have been still Jordan. But uh, what I saw last year, the way he made uh, Anthony Davis play alongside, and the way he rallies the team along, and uh, I think I'll go to LeBron. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's, I mean, probably if we were just the, the day after you'd watched uh, The Last Dance, we probably would have said Jordan. But uh, <laughs> LeBron, <laughs> LeBron's recently in our. I mean, it's always a uh, with Jordan. You're in your head with all those matches in the '90s and the way they played with Phil Jackson. It was more like a a fantasy, you know. I mean, like a kid uh, going to the Disneyland for the first time, first time watching NBA and the television. And then yeah. those three years, you see this guy coming and winning the championship. Then he's retiring. He's coming back, winning another three peat. It was like a. It was just. It was a fairy tale for me in the '90s. I mean, literally, I used to. I mean, it's uh, electricity. Turned off, I mean, we could run to my neighbor's house and see whether, oh, can I see the match in your house? I mean, it was just a fairy tale for me. And it was, it was the most, what to say, amazing times of my life. But now, I mean, understanding the game a lot more. And uh, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. I think I'll, I'll go with LeBron James. I mean, from a team perspective. That, that, I think that's how I remember. I didn't really understand the game when I watched Jordan play. And so I didn't, probably didn't appreciate how good he was, but I was just learning that. My favorite player was Sean Kemp. When uh, Rain Man, I love I love Sean Kemp for some reason. Um, but yeah, getting to learn the game and understand it a bit more to see what LeBron does day in day out. And and I, the other the other person who I think is amazing is Durant. Durant is Kevin Durant. as a scorer, he's just seven foot. Do what he does is he's yeah. Anthony Davis is similar to him. Who's that? Anthony Davis. Yeah, I just I don't think he's as good a scorer as Durant. I mean, Durant's probably the best scorer in the league at the moment. Um, he's come back strong after yeah. this Achilles. Yeah, he's playing a lot. I worry how much he's playing in the amount of minutes. But yeah. uh, I mean, an interesting question for you is Nick Nurse. This is a guy who coached the Toronto Raptors. They've never won a championship in the history. Never. A Canadian team has never won a championship in the history of NBA. This guy comes through the grind six or seven years as an assistant in the Toronto Raptors. He's done all sorts of jobs in the first 20 years of his life. Comes, wins the championship for Toronto Raptors. And uh, of course, he had Carvey Leonard that year. But last year, he didn't have Carvey. And still, they did reasonably well. I mean, how do you rate this performance as a coach? And uh, should he be there on the all-time greatest list? I think, I think what you sort of described is... Um, there's, there's two parts to it. So there's there's obviously a great coach. That, that ability to take a team with no stars before Kawhi came along, just a, a solid team, good players, and then establish a system and a game plan and a culture. Um, that, that, that takes so much skill um, to be able to do that, albeit, and also with all the grind of travel. So I think that from a from a coaching perspective, that's the most impressive bit to be able to do that with no star player. But on the flip side of that, it shows you that you can't actually do it all without that star player. So I think Nick Nurse got the most out of 
every single person on that that Raptors Raptors team, and all he needed was someone like Kawhi Leonard who could be the icing on the cake. And I think that probably sums up coaching in a lot of ways that that you can grow a you can grow a team, you can you can build culture, and you can build systems and the style of play. Um, and then you need the you need the really good players to to implement it. But I think the really good players implement it only when they believe in what a coach is bringing to the table. Otherwise, they can you know go off and do their own thing and service their own needs. I think someone like Nurse, um, Steve Kerr, even someone like uh, Frank Vocal in the, the last season, because yes, yeah, that's what I mean. But to to coach a superstar, I think also is is amazing. So that that's why I look at Nick Nurse and say he did everything he could as a coach to get that team to the level. And then their missing piece was Kawhi Leonard, and he 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 the, he was the missing piece only because Nick Nurse had coached them up so well. So I, I look, I think it's it's a that that looks like hard a lot of hard work NBA coaching because of you know, the amount of schemes, preparing for different players, travel, everything like that. So it's what what he did um, as well as I think is it Masai Ujiri that building a building a roster so I think that's the other part that we forget about is how how to build a roster as well got dogs in the background so. <laughs> is it a is it a labradoodle it's a cavoodle okay <laughs> I mean the, coming back to Nick now, the reason why I mean a lot of people have uh, rated him very high is a at least the LA Lakers had a legacy. They won so many titles and uh, they've always had superstars. This is a team which had nothing at all. Nothing at all. They've never won a championship. Probably Vince Carter a year did well. And then probably uh, Tracy McGrady did well, reasonably well. But from nowhere, this guy brings his team to not only the uh, Eastern Conference Finals, they win the NBA championship. And the next year, last year, without Kavi, they had a record of 58-18 or something. So... Building on something, probably married a subjective additions with objective numbers. Yes, yes, yes. It have to. I mean, that ability to to adapt after to adapt for Kawhi and then to adapt afterwards. That's to keep a team afloat after you lose your best player and to keep going. Uh, that is what you're saying. So he's obviously objectively he knows how to coach the team. He knows what numbers are important. He understands how to scheme, plan, prepare. Um, build again, keep a team involved, and then, and as you say, the, the subjective stuff is around the emotion and how do we keep up, get, get up for these games, how do we keep going, um, and to do that every day. I think cricket sometimes is lucky that you get a few days break, and then games like well rugby and and NFL you get a week's break, whereas basketball's every day, cricket's every three days, so you know it's it, it must be incredibly difficult to to motivate a team night after night after night. But uh, basketball is a lot more coached than cricket, right? I think so. But I, I think I think it depends at what stage the team's at. So I think for like the, the Lakers, I'm sure they have a few set players, but plays, but ultimately it's LeBron and AD will sort, sort out what they need to. With a team like... And it'd be, it'd be fascinating to coach a team like the the Hornets at the moment with Lamelo Ball, Gordon Hayward, um, Terry Rozier. Those guys who who are different stages of their career, um, then they're not expected to do much, but they've actually got a lot of talent. So how do they actually how do they prepare and plan for um, games? 
and so that that would be fascinating for teams that are, that don't have that outright superstar how they actually get up for the game. Dan, I want I'm going to name the coaches and you need to say one line about all these coaches. Okay, Phil Jackson. Uh, it, it, I've only read about him really, but he it felt like he brought the what's the right word the cerebral aspect to the game and he wanted his players to to dive into that as well so it just wasn't about what they did on the field off, on the court it was what they did off the court as well and it seemed to bring a a group of misfits together at times <laughs> possibly people who didn't like each other to get yeah. something special the way he managed those guys is just unbelievable Dennis Rodman that Dennis Rodman Michael <laughs> The best one was Dennis Rodman in that last dance where they he just went to Vegas for two days and almost <laughs> missed the gap. Imagine if uh, imagine if someone did that now, just popped off to Vegas for a oh couple of days. Oh my god. Yeah. All hell will break loose. <laughs> yeah, I don't think any player really managed to do that now. Oh yeah. yeah just watching that documentary and just saying that actually happened is Absolutely. Absolutely mind blowing. And it was different times and uh... The NBA was just getting a little lot more professional from that point. Uh, next coach is Steve Kerr. Steve, oh, it seems seems harsh to say, but I think Steve because he picked the he's the he selected his job best out of anyone because he had a chance to go to the, <laughs> he had a chance to go to the Knicks, and then he turned that down and he went to the Warriors and he just had a just looks like a young group of superstars that were were ready to be led and he was he was the perfect leader for for them at the time and gave them the freedom to play play a style that um, let them win. And then to get Durant afterwards, I mean, to Do bring know? all that together, that's the old. Uh, Pat Riley. Well, I, he seems to have the most respect out of all the coaches. Whenever you hear people talk, and they talk about Miami and the Miami culture, the fact that he coached the Lakers and he coached the Knicks as well. I think he's got the he's got the almost the greatest pedigree um, out of all out of all those coaches. Doc Rivers. Well, I think I think the proof's in the pudding with Philadelphia this year, where he seems like he's molding a team. And I've I've heard people talk about Doc Rivers that he's a motivator. Um, he knows how to bring the best out of people, particularly superstars. And Embiid's MVP. Um, talk this year um, sh- shows that that actually that's what he's about. So he's been impressive too. Has he lost his mojo from what he used to do for the Celtics? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think because I think he's a he's a motivator, and I think he he probably needs new new people all the time to motivate. His message probably wears thin after three, four, five years. Um, and so to be to be that type of coach, you you need you need a new crowd. You need new faces in front of you. And I think he's always been successful wherever he's gone. But possibly it also has a it has a, a shelf life on it that you, you need to move on to another team to be to be at your best and for the team to be at your best. And, and it actually takes a it takes a lot of self-awareness to be able to realise that, that maybe three, four, five years is, is enough time to be at your best in a job and the, the 10, 12 years is, is unrealistic. You can still be a good coach, just albeit you might not be at the same place. Uh, Chuck Daly and the Bad Boys Pistons. Probably my favorite <laughs> coach. Uh, I just love Chuck. 
the way they mourned the bulls. Now, of course, the bulls were a lot younger at the time, but still yeah. two titles and uh, the way they played, I mean, put the scare on the ones. It's a bit before my time, but he dream team as well. He coached the dream team. And so yeah. they all spoke so highly of him. So to bring that team together is pretty amazing. And uh, another coach who's probably underrated is Greg Popovich. Five NBA titles. Same team, uh, Tim Duncan and crew. And they got five titles under Greg Popovich. And I think he's still there as the president or something. Yeah, he's still there. I think they made the playoffs 21 years in a row under... <laughs> under him, which is probably even more impressive than five titles. So it'd be fascinating to see how they all operate and how they get the best out of their players. But he, he seems like he's the sort of coach that treats everyone the same, has high standards, sets an example, and has expectations that everyone falls into line around that. And then he has has great players around him who who believe buy into that and believe it. And then they, they implement it. And that was Duncan and Ginobili and Parker. And they were... They were just so well drilled and and disciplined, um, and that's why they won five titles. It's like watching an orchestra most of the time, and they won the title. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Style of play, unselfish, share the ball. Um, everyone's just as important as everyone else. It's almost your, it's almost every coach's dream to 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 produce that sort of environment where everyone just has that ability to to play their part. Uh, you see uh, uh, cricket moving in the direction like NBA, like franchise cricket at least moving in that direction, having a longer season and having a full-time sort of a franchisee culture rather than the country culture? I think that would be the ultimate from a franchise perspective that franchises had a lot more control over their players uh, and a lot more time with them. But I don't, I don't see it's possible because all, all the sports that we've talked about now, are the, the, the pinnacle is the franchise. Whereas in cricket, the pinnacle is still the national team. And so playing, playing for your country is still, still the ultimate. Um, so I, I, I can't see it ever getting there. And the other bit is also there's no, there's no consistent schedule for anyone. So January through to the whole year, you, you, as a cricket fan or as an administrator, you can't plan for what your player is doing. Um, you know, if we had three months a year where the T20s, three months a year for test matches, so on and so on, then maybe, but you're, you're probably a bit close to the things in India than me, but I don't, I don't, I don't think that's happening in the near future. <laughs> uh, your all-time starting five, NBA all-time starting five. They have to be, is it just my five best players or they have to be in position? Uh, it has to be an all-time starting five. You okay. can't have four players on the same spot. Okay, okay, okay. So, Jordan, Jordan shooting guard. You'd have to have Kareem as centre. Uh, LeBron, I'll put him at power forward. Uh, this is a great question, Basu. Now they've made me put in positions. I, I like, I mean, so who's your have Larry, I'll just have two forwards. So people would say Larry Bird, but I'd, I'd, I, Durant is just so amazing to me. Okay. So, we have Durant and my... Yeah, Jordan, Durant and LeBron. Two more sports. Uh, Kareem. Kareem at centre. Abdul-Jabbar. Kareem, okay. So you're playing Durant as a forward? Yeah, as a forward, yeah. Uh, Kareem as your centre. And uh, LeBron as your Here's forward. My point. Here's my point guard. Uh, who's your point guard? You seem to like uh, Sean Kemp. Is it Gary Payton? Gary Payton was good, but I don't... I mean, 
You could you could make a good argument for you could make a good argument for Steph Curry. I mean, the way he's been playing for the last while. Point guards are expecting me. No magic in your team. Oh, magic! Yeah, magic. Yep. Well done, Basu. So your 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 point guard is magic. Yeah. Guard is Jordan. Power forward is yep. LeBron. And uh, uh, Kevin Durant is your forward, and center is uh, center. Kareem Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Oh, you're going with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Okay. Yeah. Lovely, lovely, lovely. Who's your? Who's yours? My start in my uh, ball handler will be point guard will be uh, I'll go Jordan. Then uh, my ball handler will be Magic, LeBron there for sure. I'll have uh, Tim Duncan and Larry Bird. Yeah, It'll be a good guy. <laughs> I mean, it's very difficult, but I think this is what I will go with. I'll probably my sixth man will be probably Kobe Bryant. I'll have Will, I'll have Will Chamberlain as my sixth man <laughs> to come off the bench. <laughs> 100 points in the game, my God. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Next is, uh, you want to talk about Jacinda Ardern. We are in awe with her. The way she has carried the country forward, the way she carries herself, her demeanor, her finesse, her class. And uh, she goes about things with very little fanfare. She's not looking for any attention. Same time, you can relate with her. At the same time, you have this confidence that she's going to deliver it. And she's going to do everything for the country. She's simply an enigma for all of us. You know her. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't know, but I think, I think what she, what she does as a great leader is she communicates, and it must be so difficult as a prime minister to deliver messages all the time around potentially negative things or things that are affecting the country. But she, day in day out, through the particularly through the early stages of COVID, she, she delivered a message to to the nation and everyone sat around and, and waited for that direction. And I think she's she's been consistent. And um, as you said, she's got a, a, an integrity about her um, and she has the ability to, to resonate with, with everyone in the country. And obviously being a smaller country, it, it makes it easier. But I think her, her intellect and her class has stood out. And not just during this time, but during the, the terrorism attacks, which you know, is something that never New Zealand never thought would, would, would happen to it. And once again, in, the, in those situations. And I, and I think the other thing is that they, they, the government made very tough decisions and they've been proven right with the way that COVID has affected other countries. Um, um, we are... Uh, we are living a normal life here. We have no restrictions. We can bar travel overseas. We can get on and and live our lives. And there's no there's there's pushback that the the government went too hard. But um, if if you see New, I, I think if you talk to New Zealanders now, they're all pretty content that the right decisions were made, albeit tough at the time. That's just in the order. Okay, mm. uh, we want to know a little about. Patriarchy in New Zealand. Does it even exist? Uh, not, not how probably you know it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I can read in between I understood. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, your favorite books then? Two Ooh. books you would suggest everyone to read. You must read books from Daniel Vittori. Uh, I'm reading a good one now around the, the Warriors. From their their golden run um, by Jack, I think it's Jack McCullum. 
I, I need to check the title, but that's a that's a fun one to read. Just the the ins and outs of how they built the team, and then when how they got Durant and all those sorts of things. So that's that's a good fun read. Uh, what else have I read lately? I'm just all, I'm only just reading sports books at the moment. I've sort of given up on uh, fiction for the time being. Just immersed. All-time in all-time favorite book. I like the book called. I like uh, Irvin Welsh, the author Irvin Welsh, who wrote Train Spotting, um, and he's got a couple of good books that I that I really enjoy. And we all know about your, uh, I mean, enormous <laughs> liking toward TV serials and stuff like that, especially The Wire, uh, The Game of Thrones, Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul. I mean, we can talk about. We can start The, the Wire. <laughs> I mean, even I love that serial. You introduced me to Wire, and uh, I was, in fact, uh, I can actually blame you for me missing some days of work because of that. <laughs> it's an unbelievably good serial, probably a raw, very natural, most original piece of work. And uh, how did you come across that serial first of all, and how did it really sort of affect or affect you? <laughs> well, I think I think the same as you. I remember staying up to sort of four a.m. a day before a game because I couldn't couldn't put the computer down because I just wanted to watch one more episode and uh, it's just amazing but it's but it also leads to my biggest disappointment in coaching that I recommended the series to AB de Villiers and he couldn't get through the first episode so that's that, that hurt me more that hurt me more than anything that AB couldn't, couldn't watch the wire I'd never met anyone who didn't like the wire apart from AB I mean the characters Omar <laughs> Marlo Bunk. Oh, was a yeah. Yeah. The, the, the two detectives. I mean, it's been so long since I watched it. Marlo, I like Marlo. He was pretty good. Um, who was it? Stringer Bell. Stringer Bell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's and I think I think you can watch it again. I think I, I started watching. It's not a series that you you can go back and watch and still enjoy it. It's, it's not exactly uh, one and done. It's an amazing series. I mean, just the making was just unbelievable. I mean, your other serials like Breaking Bad, I mean, I remember talking to you sometime back. If you want to watch Breaking Bad, you need to actually check into New Mexico. You need to live in Albuquerque. <laughs> you need to get into that house. I mean, it's just a trip, right? That's the, uh, the, 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 that's the benefits of the IPL, has been watching, <laughs> watching many series. Um, a lot of cricket and a lot of, uh, a lot of downtime. But I think, I, think it, I think it is the craving lifestyle that lends itself to being able to pick up on these series and mm. watching six, seven episodes <laughs> when you should be doing something else. But uh, Breaking Bad's incredible. The Wire on Game of Thrones. These are all pretty well-known ones. I, Better Call Saul was, was awesome too, I, I really like that. Currently, Daniel Victoria is watching. Uh, Your Your Honor. Just yeah. started watching that. You watched it? No, I've not. Yeah, it's, it's, it's got the guy from It's got the guy from uh, Breaking Bad in it. The main The main lead. Lovely. That's it from us, uh, Dan. It was absolute pleasure hosting you. And uh, as usual, I mean, uh, Daniel Cerebral Vettori was there, <laughs> and it was. Uh, very, very specific topics though, Basu. Basketball, some TV programs, and a little bit of cricket. Those are my uh, general knowledge topics. Other areas, a little bit of... I was feeling bored. I thought, oh, a long time I'd catch up with you <laughs> and make it as a show. <laughs> we, we, should, we, should talk about the, we should talk about the night that you came to the room. We had a few whiskeys and, and yes. uh, that, 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 that would make a better podcast. Uh, <laughs> Thank you, Dan. It was an absolute pleasure. 
Once awesome. Again. Thank you.